0: As you're seated, uh, I just want to throw out uh, a couple questions uh, for everybody. Um, anybody ever hurt here? Like, anybody hurt? I've, I've hurt before. Uh, anybody gone through like very significant trials in life? As in, like, maybe you lost a job, maybe you've gotten an illness, maybe you've had cancer, maybe you've had a loved one and the doctor said it's terminal, you've gone through a divorce. Not even divorce, maybe maybe you've had broken relationships, like friendships or family. Maybe you've had friends who've lost children. Maybe you've lost children. All of us have gone through significant trials, challenges. And so another question I would have for you is is, is how do you get past them? How do you get by? Or how do we get by? Or how are you getting by now? are you getting by now? One of the ways that, that I've gotten by at times is, is one word. Hope. Hope. That the future is going to be better than the present. That whatever challenge that is, whatever trial that is, whatever loss that I face or we face, what else we get by is that there's a, a hope for a brighter tomorrow or a brighter future. There's, there's just some grain or kernel of hope. Have any of y'all ever felt like there is no hope? I mean, have, y- have y'all been at that point of darkness where it's been like, I, you, you can't see that brighter tomorrow. Or you, you think there is no brighter tomorrow that you give up on on hope. I know I know people who, who live like this today. And it's kind of, you know, that saying, like, come to accept my lot in life. And, you know, kind of just... They, just muddle through. That, that at one point in their life they had hope, but then after maybe hit or blow after blow, and they don't. They're like, this is, this is my lot in life. This is it. The gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is ultimately about hope. Hope for today. Hope for tomorrow. Hope for all eternity. I hope that all of us know that, but, but some of us really struggle with it. I mean, there are people I, I know that are in here right now who, who don't have that hope, but the gospel, I don't know if you've heard or used that word but the gospel is, is rooted in hope that we can overcome because he overcame, as Chris and the gang sang about. So today, as we close out the creed, we're talking about the hope, hope, the resurrection of the body. The life everlasting. Man, if you think the resurrection of the body, not just our souls living for our, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. That is good. That is gospel good news. Amen. Hallelujah. I hope you, you know that. So we're going to try to look at that today. And what I want to share is we need hope. This hope exists. Talk about what it is and how to get it. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Revelation. Revelation chapter 21. I'm going to read verse 1 through 6. That's going to be our passage today. Revelation 21, starting with verse 1 and reading through verse 6. It says, and this is Jesus talking to John as he recorded it, but... Some of these words are the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Says then I, John, saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, "Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be His people." And God Himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, "Behold, I am making all things new." Also he said, "Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true." And he said to me, "It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. Stop right there. We need hope. All of us need hope. Choose this passage. I choose Revelation. Some of us have done studies through Revelation. Revelation can be a very interesting and very uh, confounding book. But I don't want you to look at Revelation like some of us maybe have in the past, as you know, like, hey, it's a code book, or you know, the different meanings. I mean, this, this is the end of time. This is the end here that we're we're talking about. It's not how we got there. It can be fun and interesting somehow to talk, but this is this is the end. But if you will, just look at this brief passage, not as like, you know, symbols, codes, I mean it's apocalyptic language. Just think of it like this. This this was written by a real person. John, John the disciple, given to him by Jesus Christ. But then John wrote this to a particular people, like particular groups of people, churches, who were going through tremendous suffering, tremendous persecution. I mean, things, pain, physically, emotionally, that that we really, we can't even fathom. But John knew something. John knew something. It was that you deal with your present. You live in your present with what you think your future will be. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you you get through your present if you feel like there is hope for your future. If you think you have a future of hope. So this letter, Revelation, was written to these churches suffering severe persecution to give them a hope that they could go through this time, this suffering, they could, they could get through it. They could live through it. He knew that, and, you know, if we think about it, we know that too. I, I see our youth sitting down here, they're like, Think, hey, look up. Our youth here, our youth out there, you know, youth, sometimes we say, man, that's the greatest time of my life. Or some of us may have said, you know, college, best time in my life, you know, when, you know, teens actually won games, you know, or some of you may have gone to a college like that. Anyway, but a lot of us say that, you know, college is the greatest time of my life, or when we're young, it's the greatest time of our life. Now, I don't necessarily believe that. I mean, I think y'all, you know, have a great life. This is a great time. But a lot of people say that because they, and I thought this too, man, it's like the world is your oyster. You ever thought that? You... That time is so good. Yes, I mean, it's, you're young and everything, but, but you're thinking about your life, and you have dreams, and you have expectations. And it is like, like the world is your oyster. You can go anywhere. You can do anything. And it's before sometimes like real life you know, hits. And it will hit, as we know. And dreams will change, as some of us know. But when we're young, we have that, we have that hope. We have those days of hope. Give you another story. It doesn't have to be when we're young, but like, say, as an adult, we have a job, okay? Or two people have the same job. And this job, man, it just stinks, okay? I mean, like, you, you work with, you're like imbeciles. And some of you may be like, that's my job. But, you know, you're just working with people who either challenge you or you're like, man, they're just idiots, you know? And you only get paid uh, $15,000 in a year. And you work really long hours. You know, 80 to 100 hours a week. So that's this guy's job. Another person has the same exact job. doesn't like who he works with. Long, long hours. Yet at the end of the year, he's going to make 15 million dollars. 15,000 versus 15 million. There's a big difference. That guy can get through that job in that year, like, man, this is a breeze, because they know what's coming. They got this great hope. And, you know, some of us who have been part of this new church since the beginning, you know, the 30 of us or so who met in a house one time, you know, I was thinking about this, about like, you know, why would you go into a new church? Why would you meet in a house? Why would you make these sacrifices? Why would you set up at Cornell Sunday after Sunday? And it's stuck. Some of us remember that. Why do you do that? Well, you hope you have this hope that's a living hope, that's a real hope. Hey, God's working in this, and He's going to grow it, and it's going to be His church. So, my point in all that, John knew this, and we know it too. We get through these times because there's hope, we need it. We need a real, true, living hope. So, we don't have to say, oh, this is just my lot in life. We need that desperately good news is, it exists. I mean, it is real. It, it fully exists. Completely exists. And let me give you some evidence for this. Evidence is, this passage, and just giving you some background, tremendous suffering and persecution these churches, these people were going through. I mean, we can't imagine being impaled. I really don't want to describe that. These Christians were impaled. These Christians were burned alive. These Christians were thrown to the lions. And this worked. You know how it worked? Because the gospel spread. The church spread. Christianity spread. It spread so much that it went all across Europe. And not only did it, did it like spread, but when these folks were being persecuted, they prayed for the people who were killing them. They prayed and sang songs as they were being thrown to lines. And sometimes even the worst of it is when they saw their spouses or their children or their parents being killed. And they would pray and they would sing songs of joy. That is hope. That is like legit hope. That is so much greater than just $15 million. How do you you get that? Some of you may have it, but I would bet, and I'm not a betting guy, but, but not always have that kind of hope. Even more evidence. In the beginning of the church, in the early first century, plagues would come into cities. Like plagues, you know, where masses of people would die. And everybody would leave the city. Christians would stay. Christians would stay in the city. And they would minister to and try to help comfort and heal both Christian believers and non-believers. I mean, think, think about that. A plague is in the city. So if a, a plague came into Jackson and everybody was getting sick and stuff, would we, like, say, man, this is our post, we're staying? And I have to think about that. I don't know about y'all. They stayed. And then they got sick. And then they died. What a witness. I mean, this is, this is radical stuff. How did it happen? There was hope. There was real hope. There was eternal hope that this was not the end, that their death was not the end if they if God chose to take them then. It was a real hope. It exists. Then today. The same hope. What is it? It's the Apostles' Creed. We just stated. That we've stated every Sunday. What is it even more? Today, the resurrection of the body. You have Christ in you. Not only will your soul rise again, our bodies will come forth from the grave. Hallelujah. What is the hope? It is life everlasting. It is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever, somebody me, whosoever, somebody, believes in Him shall not, what? Perish. But will have eternal life. Hope. Going into this passage, there's, there's so much hope here. Verse 3, it says, The dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God will be with him as their God. That God will be like here. I mean, tears always Spirit, but God here living amongst us. Even more, verse 4, He will wipe away every tear. You ever cried? I've cried before. I mean, you know, don't always like to, but yeah, I've shed some tears. He will wipe away every tear. Tear. Death shall be no more. No more. Jesus came and died the first time to break the power of death over us. He will come again and death will be no more. It won't exist. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for former things have passed away. Hope of life forever. We say this is the end. it's it's the beginning of eternity we can believe it we can be rooted in this this real hope now a couple things about this hope I just want to share is this hope is for today but it's also for tomorrow this hope is an already hope as in it's already happened but it's also a not yet hope you get me on that? you track me on that? like it's today and tomorrow for the present and for the future already, not yet what do I mean by that? Well, it is today because verse 5, he was seated on the throne. Jesus says, Behold, I am. Does that sound like future? There's no will in that. I am making all things new. I am making all things new. In his resurrection, Jesus started making all things new. And I don't know where you are in your life today. I don't know where your marriage is today. I don't know where your family is today. I don't know where you think this church is today. I don't know where you think this city is today. But you put anything under the lordship of Christ, he will start making all things new. It should begin with your individual life. I'll tell you a quick story. I was up in Indiana this week at a conference, and I met with a pastor. He was leading it. Where he took this little, I mean, talking about country church, like in a cornfield 30 years ago, dead I mean just in the middle it wasn't in the suburbs it wasn't in the city no growing area corn patch okay Indiana so for us it would be like a cotton field I guess corn patch and he was young 26 he was all bustling with energy he said man I'm going to take this church over you know revival evangelism save the lost Like for a year man you know just nothing zero so then he conjured up this idea to do this great revival this great revival and so he had some, some preachers come in, nothing, didn't touch these folks. And the last night of the revival, and again, nothing, nothing happened. No waves of salvation or anything like that. He was, he was desponding. And anyway, towards the end of the service, he had uh, this lady who played the piano, you know, old country church, you know, played the piano. She came up to him and she said, "You know, maybe more people don't come down to the altar because I never go down to the altar." And she said, "You know, I think I've you know had it all done, accomplished, achieved so often." And she said, "I don't know if I've ever really dealt with my sin." And then she stopped. She paused and started breaking down. That those two words, "my sin." Anyway, the next Sunday at church she came to the altar and a guy raised his hand and he said, Man, I'm ready to live a new or have a new life. Anyway, that was 30 years ago, and since then that church has the Holy Spirit has done a work in that little cornfield and grown them and moved them and all that. But he says it started this lady saying, Maybe somebody else go to the altar if I go. But then she said, Maybe I need to deal with my sin. And start making all things new. This is an already hope. This is a today hope. This is a present hope. It's not just living eternally in heaven. But it's very much that too. So it's a not yet hope. And a story I think that best illustrates the already but the not yet is from one of my favorite books. I mean, I highly recommend everybody should read this book. It's called The Rose written by a pastor, Lloyd C. Douglas, I've, and I've used it in sermons before, but there's, there's a story in the robe about, it's really about the man who got the robe from the cross, got Jesus' robe, and how his life was changed. So God started working with him, and he wanted to know more about this man, Jesus. So he went to people who knew him, and he went to one small city where there was a lady who had sang and sang, and God had given her this, this wonderful, gifted voice, and then an accident happened, and she was crippled. And she couldn't, she couldn't walk. Well, then she met Jesus. And then she started singing again. And she would come into the center of town and they, they'd roll her out or carry her out. And she would sing. She was still crippled. Still couldn't walk. So this guy, the soldier, the ex-soldier, came and met with her. And said, you know, what happened? And said, I met Jesus. And he healed me. And he said, no, but but you can't walk. And he said, no, you don't get it. He healed me, and I will walk again. I love that story. He healed her, and she could sing in her heart all things new. Already, but not yet. She still couldn't walk. But the words of Jeremiah, the words of Jeremiah said, not only will you walk, you will fly on wings like eagles. It's an already hope, what Christ can do for your life today, but it's a not yet. That not only will we walk again, not only will we be healed again, we'll fly. One other thing about this hope, and this is what really struck me, especially as we're moving to local mission, especially as we're moving to be for the city. This is not an individual hope, it's a communal hope. It's a community, it's a hope of a city. Look at this, verse 2. It says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. It's a city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of the sky, adorned as a bride. Let me take you into the city. I want one other passage, Revelation 22. Turn over one chapter. I'm to read verse 1 through 5. Look at this, talking about what, what does the city look like? What is going on in this new city? Revelation 22, 1 through 5. says, Then the angel showed me the river of water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face. His name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever and ever eternal life in a city, in this new Jerusalem. In the center of it, the throne, the Lamb of God, and life flowing out from it. I say this because a lot of times we do get wrapped up in our individual life and there's a big individual part of it, the healing of this heart of your heart, of our heart of an already salvation but that it's a not yet healing but it's more than that too future hope is together future hope of all of us being together in a, a city of nations being together, of tribes Being together. Of different races being together. Different languages. This is a future hope. City. I say this because God loves cities. The Bible started in a garden. It ends in a city. You ever catch that? We're in a city here. God doesn't want cities to just be destroyed or to fall away. He wants them redeemed and transformed. And churches should take the lead in that. Government, they can't do it on its own. Schools can't do it on their own. Churches can help. One thing we're trying to do moving into, again, the fall, to to be for the city, to be for Christ in the city, is to say, man, you know, this is where God has planted us. Do I like everything about Jackson? No, not at all. We were at a dinner last night, a couple of us talked about crime. Talked about the pot. I mean, this, is, this is real stuff. But this is where God has planted me. is planted our church. And last time I checked, we ain't moving to Gluckstadt or East Rankin. We're here. And this is a city that needs to be redeemed and transformed by the power of Christ. You are know, like, well, what can we do? We can pray for our city. You could join me in starting to really, really be intentional. I thought about this today. Talking about be for the city. Because, you know, we want to do so much Honduras, you know, excels so much as a mission because there's things that if we just pray for this city, that God's hand is on this city. God can do so much more than we can, and God can open up doors. And I say this to you God know, that's convicted me because our future is a city. It's being together with a lot of different people in heaven forever. And here and now today... And we can start redeeming and transforming. And you may say, Man, what are you talking about? I'm just talking about our mission statement. Raise the kingdom. Already God's come in Christ, yet not yet the church up and raise his kingdom until he returns. And then there will fully be no tear and no death and no mourning. We can play a part in that right now. Where God is planning us in the transformation of this city. How does that happen? Last thing I would say, how does that happen? You know, you can have all the good intentions. You can have all the good deeds. You can have, the, oh, I want to, you know, like serve. Oh, I want to be on mission. But if we don't know, please hear me on this. If we do not know the love of God that He has for you, for us together, the only way we will love is for ourselves. Here's what I'm saying relationships we have. We say we love a person, love a friend, love a family member. If we don't know how much God loves us, then our love is going out to either do a good deed or to love people or really for ourselves. Here's the love of God for you and for me, for us. It talks about the city as a bride. Our future hope is a spousal love. Our future hope is God loving uh, somewhat, we, can't, we can't imagine it. We can't comprehend it. You're like, what are you talking about? Here's what I'm talking about. We are clothed in sin by nature. Jesus took our garments and gave us a wedding dress. So when you have Christ in you, when Christ sees you, when God sees you, He sees a bride. And He loves. And only when we are awed by that love, only when we are floored by that love, only when we are transformed by the love, then can we truly love others who are different. Maybe different color. Maybe different slain. Maybe someone we just would not hang out with. We. We've got to know God's love. We've got to know that in Jesus, we trade this garment of sin for this wedding dress, and that is how God sees us in Christ. That's what it means. We are saved. That is what it means. that He looks on us in me. That's what it means. All things new, starting with your life. So, last thing, how do you get this hope? How do you get it? How do you get it? Passage tells us, chapter 21, verse 6 To the thirsty, to the thirsty, let me say it one more time, to the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life. Those last words, without payment, it's free. It's a simple question. Are you thirsty? I Many are you really thirsty? I always think back to the woman of the well who was thirsty, and Jesus said, I'm going to give you water. You will never thirst again. And he says it again. At the end of the scripture, with the beginning of eternity, to the thirsty, I will give water of life without payment. Are you really thirsty? Are you really thirsty? Because we all are thirsty in some form or fashion and we try to fill our thirst with so many other things. The only thing that will quench that thirst is Jesus. There's an old hymn. I don't know the exact title, but on Christ the solid rock I stand. Hymn goes, my hope is built, hope, on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. Hope is in Christ. That hymn concludes saying, When he shall come with trumpet sound, O may I in him be found, dressed in his righteousness and his alone, faultless to stand before the throne. What is your hope? Are you thirsty? Are you dressed in his righteousness or your own righteousness? Do you know that he has overcome and that is the only way we can overcome? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. That is our hope. Let's pray to you. Heavenly Father, we, we are in desperate need of hope. And we seek hope in so many other avenues and areas and means and forms and fashions. And we give you no credit. We really don't. I pray you forgive me. I pray you forgive us. I pray that we start seeing the only hope that we have for today, for tomorrow, for eternity is found in Jesus Christ. And you give it freely to all who are thirsty. I pray... That people will, one, know they're thirsty and seek the water of life from Christ. And it's free. And they'll say, man, I, I want to keep doing it on my own. I want to keep striving on my own. I want to keep working on my own. But just surrender and repent and say, I am going to deal with my sin and just wash over lives. And this church, and that your hand would be on this city. Not by us, but by the name of God as Jesus Christ. And you can, you can do it. I pray that that is our hope. Today, tomorrow, forever. In his name, amen.